Hello, and welcome back to Korean Kid Commentaries. We have, once again, another installment of Predator for you. As always, my name is Jake Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend, Keaton Byer. What up, Keaton? What up? <laughs> it's, uh, we don't really talk about the music too much in uh, either of these episodes, but... um. It's pretty good. Pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Uh, um, let me just. It's Alan. This is Alan, Alan Silvestri, Silvestri, right? Yeah, yeah. Who did Back to did the he Future? Did he Just look him up real quick. Yeah. Um. Well, this is his first action film. He did. Ooh, he did The Abyss. Yeah. It I looks did, like he's done a hell of a lot of things actually after yeah. this. He did Young Guns Two, which is arguably the better of the Young Guns films. No, I don't know if that's true. He's done a lot of fucking movies. Well, like, I figure once, like, once you get in the door, you know what I mean? Like, you know. Oh, he did Forrest Gump, sorry. Yeah, Forrest fucking Gump, yeah, man. Once you get in the door there, I think, like, it's uh, it's pretty easy to stay afloat as a film composer. I mean, not to take away anything from anybody who's uh, who does that for a living. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very challenging uh job <laughs> it's a very challenging job but it is it, it's interesting how you can have someone like like uh, uh alan sylvester alan sylvester you can have somebody who's na- nominated for you know an academy award for doing forrest gump and then who also did the super mario bros movie hey man that, that's super a, mario Bros. movie is not you know there i feel like there are a lot of people in that movie that uh you know also did other things. <laughs> Indeed. Well, he did. Let me, so, let, let me just look at the Super Mario Bros. movie. Let, have you have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen this movie, but that's not the film we're talking about. We're talking about Predator. Okay, one day we will do this movie. We will, of course, <laughs> but not today. But yeah, the music the music for Predator won a Saturn Award. So yeah, well, you know, everybody's got that. <laughs> how many? How many? Sa- <laughs> Sorry. Um, what was I going to say? Um, what did we talk about last week? Yeah. We talked about um, sort of uh, the genesis of the film, the production. The production, the indeed. The pre-production. Production. Pre-production. Um, <laughs> we talked about the cast, uh, some interesting stories about each major cast member. And actually, like, we didn't really mention this when we were doing the cast, but, like, pretty much everybody we mentioned in the cast, that's basically the entire cast yeah it's it's, it's, it's a small like there's not that many people in this movie no it's a small cast and it's like even the when they're blowing up even when they're blowing up that compound i feel like like the same guy dies like four times yeah it's probably not a lot of people what did the guy from trek who fell out of the tree billy burton yeah. william h burton jr yeah he probably fell out of several trees <laughs> exactly um, but yeah, they were like, what? They're shooting on location, so like... Yeah, you know, traveling around with a big crew is, uh, not easy given, uh, especially the, uh, um, terrain that they had to deal with. Yeah, so, like, let's, uh, let's get right into it. Let's get right into the production here. Right. Because, I mean, this seems to be a theme with the, the films that we've been doing, is that it's rough on location shoots well i mean like it depends on what kind of location you do like if you want to do like you know 
like extreme locations are rough. Yeah, exactly. If you're shooting, like, that's just like you know, if you want to shoot it, like, um, like I feel like you know, there's there's not a lot of stories about you know people. Uh, you know, doing on location in like Spain or something like that. You know, <laughs> not fun stories. Exactly, <laughs> it's because it's not harsh. <laughs> I mean, there are parts of Spain, like actually, Spain is deceptively harsh. Yeah, well, but... it depends on where you are, I suppose. But yeah, but yeah. So they, they, if you want to shoot in a jungle, you go to the jungle. You go to the jungle, and it's gonna be a jungle there. So. I mean, that's yeah, literally... like, there's no, like, unless you want to build it in a set, which is not going to look as good. Um, so they went to Mexico. They were, right? yeah, Mexico, I believe, uh, in Tabasco. Was it in the Yucatan? Or? I think it was, it says here, uh, in Starlog magazine that they were near the border of Guatemala. Okay, so they were in, like, the, uh, like, like, south, southern Mexico. It seems to be that. Oh, okay, so they were in, um, Oh, they're in a couple different places. But they began but shooting yeah, uh, in... Uh, Puerto Vallarta. Exactly. Yeah, it says here, near the border of Guatemala. Yeah. But yeah, it was hot as shit. <laughs> I can they, imagine. They began You're shooting... like as close to the equator as it gets, pretty much. Yeah. So we <laughs> didn't... We didn't. I forgot to mention this last time, but it, it, it's okay because it, it applies here. The, the, the pre-production period was extremely short. They like... Yeah, because as you as well, you, I mean, I feel like there wasn't that much to think about with like this movie. Like, no, but they were they their hand was forced because uh, I think you mentioned Arnold was yeah Arnold you did mention Arnold was their number one choice. Obviously, they yeah they wanted Arnold, they needed Arnold. It was all about Arnold. it was Arnold or bust exactly. Uh, and his schedule was very dicey. He had other films, other commitments, so. They built the whole film around his schedule, and basically he needed to, if he was going to be in the film, they needed to start shooting in early April, and okay, they learned about this, like, when they were casting him, they were just getting the film going in late January, so basically they had, like, two months to, from oh, wow. yeah, yeah. casting the film to when, you know, yeah. they started shooting it, so... <laughs> Not well. I mean, at least, at least, um, you know, it's near the equator, so like, you know, it doesn't really matter what time of year you go there. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that's a part of the reason they <laughs> they went there. I'm, I'm well. I mean, also just because jungle. you know you need a jungle. Where's the best place to find that? Where's the nearest jungle? Um, yeah, but yeah, it was it was hot and it was rough. This is a. Uh, uh, from Starlog magazine. It was a series of 19-hour days humping up and down land that at most level, at its most level, had a 45-degree angle. There was a great deal to be cautious about the food, the snakes, and staying cool in the constant 100-degree plus temperature. <laughs> I should note that that's 100 Fahrenheit. 100 Fahrenheit, yes, which we we've encountered recently. Um uh, yeah, so that is 30 Roughly 38 degrees Celsius. Yes. Um, yeah, that's hot. That's very hot. Um, not quite as hot as Arizona. <laughs> but hot. <laughs> um, where, where, where was it? Hottest. Are you looking up the hottest temperature in Puerto Vallarta? Yeah. Okay. Um, it won't be as hot. No. Because the it won't get as much... Like, because of the equator, right? It's like... 
it never gets as hot because it's never angled it's more like, yeah, directly yeah. into the sun like never ang- angled as much it's more uh a uh, 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 consistently temperate well it's consistently hot but the peak heat isn't as hot record high is 103 degrees fahrenheit yeah so so um but yeah uh, like i was saying i actually heard this same kind of idea from like different actors like like carl weathers was specifically saying like the whole shoot was like really really tiring because like um there was nowhere to like you know sit down and rest yeah right because they're on as like every like everything to stand on is like you know precarious right yeah right like the whole 45 degree angle thing <laughs> yeah so uh so it's like yeah you you couldn't really like uh just you know sit back and relax or do anything and like this was specifically during some like um you know documentary footage they shot around the set but yeah. he was saying like like even now like they had to bring out this chair for me to do this interview <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. So you could actually sit here and film it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like everything you you have, like you have to bring out to here, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you know, in like the middle of nowhere. Right? Truck it out and carry it out, or as the Star and, um, Wars magazine says, hump it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know why they use that term. Strange but um, John McTiernan was also saying that like there were some cinematic challenges to this location just because um he was saying like you know it's actually not that cinematically interesting to just uh shoot a scene in a jungle you know perfect like completely dense jungle because you can't see anything yeah it's all just yeah it's all it's just so apparently they had to have like guys like trimming leaves like oh my god around so that they could actually get the angles so it wasn't all just pure dense thick jungle so not everything had to be a fucking close up <laughs> yeah exactly although there were those there's a lot world. of those I mean, uh, you have to you just have yeah. to be or have to do that yeah so there was a lot of that although uh apparently they were very careful not to uh cause any damage to the uh environment but good i'm glad yeah yeah <laughs> you know um, i don't know about that scene where they were shooting up the jungle though i don't know how they did that yeah i don't know i was just gonna ask like I don't know, that that didn't seem particularly that had to be like a sound stage yeah well i mean uh you think they were actually firing like shell like not like live ammunition but i'm saying like blanks or whatever because like i i remember something that uh bill duke was saying about just like the gun and like because he had that giant like yeah the chain gatling gun, gun or whatever thing. yeah 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 and he was saying like you know uh you know this this is such a powerful powerful gun it felt like really crazy yeah, I think to use that, you I, know? Was thinking that exact I think they point. must have been actually firing some kind of rounds right yeah exactly That's... like once again not live ammunition of but course like not. you know no 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 there must have been some something in there, right? Not it wasn't a fake gun. Yeah, it, wasn't, they it didn't have its proper its, uh, like recoil and stuff. Yeah, it didn't have its uh, firing pin board out or anything like that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's. I think I think that's what happened. So it must have been on a soundstage then, with just like you know, obviously pyrotechnics in a, in a bunch of fake jungle. But <laughs> that's what I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know. Seems like well, I, I think the actual shot, like they might have had the shot of the jungle getting destroyed on a soundstage, but like yeah, 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 the other shot because it was two shots, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. 
but yeah, no, like I, I, it, it turned out like pretty good, uh, despite all the challenges they had to have with the. Uh... Although you gotta wonder the uh, attack on the gorilla encampment that must have been on a soundstage. Yeah, I'm not sure about that to be honest, because there's just. I mean, that wasn't in the middle of the jungle, at least. Because there was, there's quite a bit of a clearing there, and they exactly. had to build this whole thing, right? And there, there was a bunch of sets. That must have been a set because you had the whole yeah pyrotechnics with the 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 truck and Arnold lifting the uh... <laughs> yeah no like you couldn't it would just be impossible to build that in the middle of the jungle yeah yeah no I think you're right like the might have been the it. logistics of that are just it was probably it might have been in Mexico exactly but... that's what I was just gonna say it was probably on location yeah. but probably not like in the thick jungle like the rest of it was yeah exactly the other thing that i wanted that that uh, that was in in that starlog quote that you read is the, the reference to the food oh yeah yeah so i've heard some things about the food uh specifically that well who was it that didn't eat any food just john mctiernan john mctiernan didn't want to eat any of the food because i mean from what i heard you know he might have had good reasons to do it apparently Allegedly, everybody got traveler's diarrhea. Yeah. I don't know how that's related to the food, but... Who knows? Um, apparently, everybody was had some serious stomach issues. Uh, yeah, that's another problem that apparently happens a lot on location so, so shoots. People having stomach issues? Yeah, well, I mean, traveler's diarrhea yeah. is a thing, baby. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, in uh, Indiana Jones, like, the the... The first one, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Heart. Raiders. Apparently, everybody was shitting themselves, <laughs> like during that, that really when they were shooting in the desert. Puts it into a whole different type of perspective, doesn't it? Well, that's you know the scene where in- Indy was going to have the short sword fight, but then he shot the guy instead. Yeah, I knew he was too sick. With... I didn't realize he was shitting himself. <laughs> it was because he had terrible <laughs> diarrhea. That's hilarious. <laughs> Ah, that, that, again, has a whole new element. I thought it was... Okay, moving on. Uh, that's a bit of a side... A side uh, but yeah, interesting story about that film. Uh. So well, that, it, how that ties into this film is you don't know at any, any scene you're watching, anybody on screen or behind the camera may have just been shitting themselves before or after. Absolutely. Not John McTiernan, though, because he, he didn't eat the food. Because he lost 25 pounds, according to... Yeah. I believe that I was mean, his uh, DVD commentary. He said that. Yeah, I mean, part of that might also just be because he's sweating out so much. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's... Like, um, like you lose a lot of water weight, just... As we learned in our last episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, because I, I, I can imagine that like guys like Arnie or um, Carl Weathers, like you know, there's no way that they could reduce their calorie intake. Like <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't, no, right? No, no. Like especially to be in the shape that they were for these movie for this movie. No, exactly. If anything, you have to increase it. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Uh, you you have found an interesting story about uh, the um, about them getting in shape, or specifically Carl Weathers. Well, it was just really weird, like detail about this, like how they told the story is that like apparently Carl Weathers would like uh, uh, work out because obviously they, there's a lot of pumping going on. Like you can't just well, yeah, you know, you gotta get the pump, you know, the pump. 
Yeah, Arnold had like a mobile gym apparently. Like, you know, like some serious shit. Like you have to get your pump going for this movie. Yeah. But apparently Carl I mean that scene where they you know, with the grasp hands, you know? Exactly. The like, big high five, look you know? At that fucking pump. Like yeah. <laughs> That's that's the most pumped up that it's in the movie, right? Exactly. That's as pumped as it gets really. Uh yeah. But the point is like Carl Weathers obviously had to get that pump on, but apparently he yeah. he did so like in secret <laughs> because yeah for some reason <laughs> for whatever reason he thought that like well I think the way he put it was like you know um you know I go to the gym when uh, when the other guys are working out and uh, and basically like you know I'd be like oh oh working hard guys eh you know. <laughs> And then uh, you know I'd uh, be like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna go get a coffee, you know, I'll be I'll be right back or whatever. And then he'd wait until they leave, and then he'd go like work out in the gym because <laughs> he wanted to make it seem like he didn't have to like work so hard to maintain it, like it was easy or whatever. What a weird dynamic to try and maintain. <laughs> yeah, like I think we kind of talked about in the first episode about there like being big, like sort of personalities yeah, in this movie. Huge personalities. And there's like some weird energy going on. <laughs> yeah, like some alpha some weird... BD some BDE. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> there's something going on. It seemed like it was more with Carl though. <laughs> well <laughs> Arnold didn't Well seem no, to have I mean uh, well, I mean uh, Arnold had that 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 Hillary Lange bit, which we'll talk about right after this, but like uh, uh, um, Arnold did to Jesse Ventura. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that right after this. But yeah, so like I, I kind of got the sense that like you know Carl Weathers thought that everybody else was doing the same thing, <laughs> like that th- th- this was just like what you do. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, like that just seems to be like you know he didn't want anybody to think like he was uh you know he wanted people to think it was just a natural pump. Not... Yeah, that that yeah that he just you know didn't have to work that hard at it, <laughs> which is bizarre to me. It is so bizarre. But anyway, that's that's kind of not the only like example of just like weird like <laughs> weird pump, <laughs> weird pump. So um. So apparently uh, Jesse Ventura was uh, was in wardrobe or whatever, and he happened to see that uh, that they left Arnold's like uh, measurements like around, and, <laughs> and he saw that um, that uh, the, the the bicep measurements for for uh, Arnold were were just left there, and uh, he couldn't help. Himself, and this is this is I believe the circumference of the bicep the bicep. Yeah, yeah, which is, I believe, a, yeah, so, a, 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 an important measurement to bodybuilders. Yeah, a very important measurement. So uh, he saw the the measurement and he noticed that, that his his bicep was was one inch one inch bigger. Jesse Ventura he said noticed. That, yeah, Jesse Jesse Ventura noticed that that his measurement was one inch bigger than Arnold's. Wow. And so um, uh, so he was uh, he was like, you know, that made uh, Jesse Ventura feel pretty good. <laughs> Arnold uh, also challenges uh jesse ventura and he's like you know we should we should measure biceps to see whose bicep is bigger yeah they're like at the gym later on hanging yeah out. they're later on they're at the gym and then he's like you know we should measure biceps to see whose bicep is bigger you know let's uh, let's bet a bottle of champagne <laughs> and then jesse's like 
oh, well, you know, you know, uh, my biceps, and he's, he's thinking, you know, my biceps are one inch bigger than his, you know? So he's like, yeah. And so then they pull out the tape, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then <laughs> they, they measure both their biceps, and it turns out that Arnold's bicep is three inches bigger. What? That is because Arnold, being the scheming motherfucker he is, <laughs> had planted the measurements there and underestimated his own bicep uh, circumference so that, so that he could, like, embarrass Jesse Ventura, I guess, but well, also get a free bottle of champagne. That's so hilarious, because he must be so, as as Mr. Universe, he must be so used to, like, dudes trying to fucking, like, one-up him or, like, outmatch well, him. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. He didn't know that Jesse Ventura's bicep was smaller. <laughs> he just believed. He just assumed that it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was right. I mean, I guess if it's three inches circumference, I guess. It's yeah, I don't know. I don't know how easy it is to just kind of guess that. But to like, just like look, or maybe they were pumping yeah. together, and he just could tell based on the amount of pump that Jesse was was doing. Yeah. It's like no, nah, this. I'm not going to do an Arnold impression, but he he knew that it wasn't the right amount of pump. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you should put in the. You should find the quote and put in the thing where he says, and my bicep was three inches bigger. The biggest thrill for me was when we hit wardrobe and I happened to view Arnold's wardrobe tape and when my arms taped out one inch bigger than Mr. Olympia's, that made Jesse Ventura feel pretty good. He came to the gym two days later and he says, you know something Arnold? We should measure our arms with bigger arms. I said, of course we should. I said, let's better bottle champagne. He says, of course we should. And then we measured it and my arm was three inches bigger than his. What the fuck? And he lost a bottle of champagne. So I mean... <laughs> it's so savage. It's savage. It's like... <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, there's there's a lot of just good shit like that. Yeah, there's a lot about pump. Also, um, Carl Weathers was saying that, like, um, Arnold basically... Uh, he okay, so Carl Weathers blames Arnold for getting him hooked on cigars, essentially. What from this movie? Because there's there's so many scenes where Arnold's like just chomping on a like giant, chomping giant cigar, cigar, chomping on a stogie, as, as he calls it. <laughs> oh my god, classic! So Carl Weathers is like, you know, uh, you know, before this, like I was like, you know. You know, being an athlete myself, you know, never would I, like, you know, poison my body with anything like that, right? <laughs> but, you know, you know, I'd, oh I'd be God. doing these scenes with Arnold and he's always be smoking a giant cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so was Arnold actually smoking a cigar then? Yeah, Arnold was actually smoking a real cigar. Apparently, this is just, he did this all the time. This is just like, like, even when he wasn't on camera, right? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and then he's like, <laughs> and then, uh, Carlos is like, and I could just, uh, I was just always, I was always smelling it. And then he says to me one day, it's like, Hey, you want to try stogie? <laughs> so he does. And he's like, yeah, like, so he's like, after that I was hooked. That's ridiculous. So, so, so chewing tobacco is a disgusting habit, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, I will say True Tobacco is definitely more yeah, disgusting. Yeah, no, it is true. It is. It is. <laughs> the, yeah. Spitting on the shoes. Yeah. But yeah, there's just a lot of weird, like, stories <laughs> like that, you know, when you get a lot of big personalities. And, like, I think this, this sort of goes back to, like, kind of, um, like, because I was originally thinking, like, oh, you know, John McTernan, he must be, like, you know, kind of guy who can wrangle all these people. But, like, I got to go back to this quote. He says, find actors who can bring something and turn them loose. Yeah, exactly. That's... It's perfect. That's a good, excellent way to direct this movie, and it totally worked. Like for the uh, the uh, type of movie he was trying to make. Yeah, exactly. People were saying, I forget exactly who said it about him, but he was he, he was very much, I think, once he was there, wanted to get out of there, like uh, McTiernan. Oh yeah, no, I heard so many stories of just like him, just like uh, fucking like sitting down with just his head in his hands just being like why the fuck am i here like this is too hot this is i what are we doing i'm so hungry because i haven't eaten this i'm not eating this fucking shit that's gonna give me dysentery (laughs) (laughs) but yeah basically yeah he was so he was just like i think he had the movie filmed in his head already and he was just desperately just like okay do the shot okay do that shot okay do this shot so yeah exactly it it shows through definitely um, that this is a bit of almost cookie cutter. I don't want cookie cutter is the wrong phrase, but do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's not expertly or intriguingly put together per se, but it, it's well done. No, but it's it's put together in the way that it needs to be. Yeah, put together. and it was handled well. <laughs> like it was. Yeah, like you know, I think. We kind of said this a little bit when we were talking about Die Hard, but, like, you know... Like, John McTiernan knows his shit, like, is is the sense that yeah. I get. Like, he's he's definitely, like, a, a real yeah. professional. And I think least. Die Hard is a better movie, for sure. Well, yeah, no, I... I mean, Die Hard, yeah, it a, it's, it's, it's a better movie, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a more enjoyable movie. <laughs> That's... That comes down to preference. <laughs> but, like, also, it's, like... like I just kind of see this movie as like whether or not it's actually good even. No, it's besides It's the point. just such an achievement that this movie is, as I said initially, kind of the platonic <laughs> ideal of what yeah, it is. No, that is that sums it up perfectly. It's like it's exactly what it set out yeah, to be. And he does that perfectly. Like as they said, he he had the film already kind of made in his head and he and he he mm-hmm. made it happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so this is th- th- it's kind of interesting the whole the whole process. So we're going to kind of merge a few timelines here of things we've already talked about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're going to bring the we'll, we'll bring back the characters of what what was the first guy's name? Um Richard Edmondson, Eldmanson. Whatever, the first visual effects guy. Oh, um Richard Edland. Edland, that was his name. So he he's making. I mean, you got you got the same outline I do. <laughs> well, you know, you scroll <laughs> you scrolled up to it faster than I. Um, so they get their they get their predator costume delivered. They've already been you know on location for a while, and they yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was some kind of delay happening with the uh, with the costume, from what I understand. Yeah, so they did everything else. Like it was taking longer than expected. Yeah, yeah. They get the they get the the suit delivered. 
they open up the box and everybody is extremely disappointed. (laughs) Um, And we'll get into why, why in a moment. This is basically, so the point is here is this is basically, uh, uh, um, like, because Van Damme comes back into it here, right? Because Van Damme, I believe, was in. Yeah, so so I actually never quite, like, from the sort of interviews and sources that I saw, I never quite saw it linked up in this way, but this is how I sort of in, in, interpreted it, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but... Is that they, they get rid of the costume, the old costume, at the same time that they get rid of Van Damme. Exactly. So it seems that Van Damme was actually on location in the jungle in a Predator costume for a while. Yeah. And it was just wasn't working. Wait, wait, wait. Are we, so we're talking about the, the first Predator, the one, the costume that showed up. Because there's kind of two costumes, actually, that even even when they eventually, even with what they actually shot. Right, right. Because there was the, there was the one that actually is the full-on costume and then there's the one that was sort of the the invisible costume right 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 no yeah i was in which case it was the same actor in both but it was a a different actual a different physical right no yeah we'll we'll get to the that costume but no let's yeah so so but i'm saying like uh i i'm saying before they actually got the proper predator costume they probably could have done the other shots right and well yeah uh, of the like the blurred stuff well exactly yeah i was also a little bit confused because like um they kind of said like they they shut down production because they ran out of money and then they got more money and then they kept going again (laughs) the the reasons that they shut down this is just what i was going to get into is the reason that they like shut down production there's it's never there's so many different reasons and quotes about it. And yeah, like, I've heard conflicting stories, right? Yeah, exactly. Varying from that uh, Arnold uh, actually had to go to his wedding. <laughs> yeah, Arnold had to go get married as one of them. Yeah. Uh, they ran out of money. They uh, ran out of money one. is another one. Um, the or f- they needed to wait for a... Uh, a, a predator costume a new predator costume to show up yeah but anyway regardless of why they shut down production i thought it was interesting that uh that john mctiernan was saying like you know i'm really glad that we got to take a break in the middle of the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i based on what we were just talking about his experience but also he was like you know and then i got to to like you know do a little bit of editing and like see like what the movie like looks like and then go back and like you know with a better picture of what the movie looks like in my head finish it right that it would definitely and he said he says like you know i i i i would uh it's kind of a blessing in disguise um and like you know i i i'd love to do that on uh on other movies i mean maybe on purpose right oh yeah because this isn't the first production that we're talking about that got shut down we're talking about Kubrick's production got shut, or he shut it down. Well, he shut it, but I mean, he's the only director who could do that. <laughs> Remember yeah. what we said? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But this this is slightly different than that. <laughs> this is external. Well, this, yeah, this, this was an external pressure, but I'm saying like you know, John McTiernan was at least happy that it happened. Yeah, yeah, right. Because normally when you get when your production gets shut down, it's not a positive sign. It's not a good thing. But I, I apparently they had somebody who was like, 
they said was a good money wrangler. Well, I don't know what that means. I guess you can. No, of... like that. That he. That uh, they had somebody. I can't remember who they said it was, but that um, did a good job of basically going back to the studio and wrestling more money out of them. <laughs> a good. Oh, maybe it was Jesse Ventura. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, it's kind of unclear why the first costume didn't work. Okay. Well, I mean, I've I've heard several things about it i've heard several things as well and i've heard yeah. blame tossed in several directions as well right okay so i i have a quote where where bill duke says uh it was a red figure with one eye in the middle on sort of stilts <laughs> that doesn't... and that uh john mckernan says it's exactly what we were trying not to have <laughs> And actually, in the in the behind the scenes documentary, you can kind of see like uh, they have some shots of the original costume, and it doesn't look good. No, 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 not at all. And and and, and uh, apparently, McTiernan said, uh, you know, I shot a shot, two shots with it, and then I sent it back to the studio, and I said, "Do you really want us to continue with this?" <laughs> oh my god! It's just not. It just doesn't. It. Uh, I just. It didn't look good. I guess like. I don't know. I don't know if Jean-Claude Van Damme was still in the costume at this point or if it was Kevin Peter Hall or whatever. I don't know. Maybe actually that's why they had the delay. It could be, but I also I also heard that... So what I heard was that John McTiernan had a vision that was not good, that turned out to be oh, bad. Oh, okay. So this is, it's, fun, it's <laughs> funny that you have the quote that's exactly what we were trying not to have. And apparently, so who said this? I wonder. The, uh, this is the thing that this is a less, uh, uh, this is not as good of a source, but um, it, it's hard. It's it's less attributable. Exactly. I think this is might might be what they're talking about with stilts, but it, it, the legs were. What do you call when the knee bends the like the other way? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, jeez, I I know what you mean, but I don't know what you call that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So th- you know, it had that like... sort of leg, which. Um, when you have an actor in there, because I think that's what the stilts were. When you have an actor in there, it's hard to maneuver, especially in the fucking. Oh, maybe jungle. that's maybe that's what Jean Claude Van Damme meant by like you know I didn't think it was safe to jump. Exactly, like that's kind of what I was thinking is maybe it was like these weird legs stilts that you like couldn't. Yeah. Move in, and. But anyway, it's not it's not quite clear on exactly what was wrong with it, but suffice to say. You know, whatever it was wasn't yeah wasn't good enough. So, yeah. So the way <laughs> the way Silver uh, Joel Silver puts it is, uh, Boss Films. So Boss Films did the original Predator. Um, yeah, yeah. Boss Films did some really good stuff for us on Predator, says Silver, but the creature really didn't have it. We had already filmed all the parts of the movie that didn't include the creature, so we decided to shut down production. <laughs> yeah, and the the way that's from a uh, um, Starlog magazine, and Starlog magazine says that the way he said it was, quote unquote, diplomatic. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. 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 But um, so anyway, regardless of why they decided that this wasn't the costume they were gonna do, whether or not it was too small because they didn't want to show the damn anymore, or whether or not it was like you know. Various reasons. They needed to make a new creature. So Arnold uh, recommended a guy named Stan Winston, who he had worked with on Terminator. Right. Stan Winston. Um, you're trying to think of like what else he's done? 
Yeah, I'm looking. I because that's a familiar name. I wonder. Yeah, if he's done quite a few things. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. So, so Stan Winston, uh, you know, he took the uh, the job enthusiastically, and he was a. Uh, he was working on some sketches for like what this kind of thing would look like, and um, he happened to be on a, a pl- on a plane to to Japan, uh, and and sitting right next to him happened to be uh, James Cameron. <laughs> well, because he was working on the film Aliens with James Cameron at the time. Yeah, pres- presumably that's why they were on the plane together. Yes, but uh, anyway, so he was uh, he was sketching this thing, and uh, and uh, you know. Um, James Cameron notices what he's doing, and he's like, you know, you know, I always, uh, I always wanted to see uh, something with mandibles. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> and and, uh, and then um, apparently, uh, Stan Winston was like, oh, oh, you do, eh? And then you well, know, I'll... he then drew some mandibles on the creature. I don't know if he showed James Cameron that he took his suggestion, but uh... you think James Cameron like saw a Predator and was like, "Hey, mandibles!" Oh. <laughs> I said that. Oh. I mean, Stan, Stan Winston was telling this story to be clear. Yeah, it's not like, like he, he 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 says that he got that he got the idea because James an, Cameron mentioned that. It's not an underhanded thing. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> but I just thought it's funny because it's just something that you know James James Cameron said offhand. You know, I've always wanted to see a creature with mandibles. It's like I I die. I don't disagree with you, James. <laughs> I love a man. I love a good mandible in my creatures. But yeah, that's uh, that's how we got the mandibles. Yeah, it adds up. It adds up. So yeah, in terms of uh, uh production, I think that's you know, without going into into some too much detail about some other things some other things that may or may not comprise later sections and by late later sections do you mean the segment that we're about to go right into i mean the one that i'm trying to segue into right now yeah all right we're gonna talk about how they shot it hell yeah we are first things first let's uh let's talk about you know the people that we care about. Ah, uh, yes, the people who actually did the shooting. Yeah, so uh, the cinematography, direct photography, was uh, done by uh, Donald McAlpine. Never heard of him. Uh, well, he uh, has been the director of photography for such films as uh, Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Not familiar with you the know. cinematography in that film. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, you Is know, um, he did, you know, I can't really comment. Um, he obviously did this yeah, film. See. He did, oh, the 2002 Time Machine remake, interestingly. Inter- uh, interestingly? Okay, let's see. Clear and, pre- clear and present danger. Wow. Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, he's a guy. Yeah, he's done some stuff. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been nominated for an Academy Award. Wow. For Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, that's... But, um, anyway... So, direct photography uh, is Donald McAlpine, but who do we really care about? I believe... What's, what's, the, what's the most important... Uh, our, our number one guy. Who's our number one guy? Who is the first <laughs> The first person camera? you talk about. Who is it? It's a guy named uh, Rob Aganis, 
or credited as Rob McGannis in this movie, but in later movies he seems to go by Robert Aganis. Well, I was just thinking this this film. There's a lot of as we pointed out while we were well, you pointed out specifically while we, yeah, yeah, yeah while we were watching it. Uh, there's an aggressive amount of focus pulls in this movie, not in a bad way. Yeah, not in a bad way, but like you know, I mean. You know, it's not necessarily the number of focus pulls, but it's just how how front and center they are. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's not necessarily. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not like, the quantity. Like, it's there's a lot of attention. It's there's a lot of exactly. There's a lot of very, you know, very difficult focus pulls. There's difficult focus pulls on in uh, important scenes. You know, with important connotations to the to the plot. They're very they're yes. important. So so let's. Let's kind of say what what is a focus pull. Yes. Firstly, yes, yes. for those of you. So basically, like, you know, focus is basically, you know, the part of the scene that is sharp as opposed to the part of the scene that is in more blurry, right? Yeah. I mean, focus, so focus pulls explain focus. But... Well, I don't know. You know, people might think it's what's in the center of the frame or whatever. Right, know. right. Okay. Go on. It's it's a specifically when we're talking about focus, we're talking about the the part of the scene that's that's sharp, as opposed to the part of the scene that's blurry. Right, right. So um, a focus pull is when you move the focus to usually to draw attention to another part of the right. scene. Right. So you move it from say the foreground to the background, or vice versa. Exactly. So what the first assistant camera does is they control the focus. It's so um it's a hard job and it's especially hard when you have such a narrow depth of field like they do in these shots what causes the why do they have such a narrow depth of field in these shots because they have a they have a uh, a um a large aperture and <laughs> which i think we've talked about we have discussed yes <laughs> not not quite 0.7 but you know <laughs> not quite uh, uh what was it up to the point of the speed of light cannot or whatever oh right, right. The, the the not quite at the maximum uh or shall i say minimum f-stop possible in air <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> no no not not quite that but you know there's a very shallow depth of field there's there's a very narrow point of the scene that's actually in focus right, right yeah yeah so uh, the reason why that's difficult as a focus puller is because you have to nail it just right to get everything in focus. And if the actor doesn't hit their mark 100%, you need to compensate for that. Right, yeah, you need to... It looks t- like imagine over focusing and then having to go back. Like that would look terrible. And it's not always your fault as the focus puller either it, but it's always going to look like it's your fault oh yeah because yeah especially if the actor's off their mark that's going to be annoying and then like if the actor misses their mark but it's out of focus because the actor missed their mark you know yeah they're not going to say you know why did, why did you hit your mark they're going to be like why feet? is it out of focus yeah they're going to be like yeah not <laughs> why did arnold stand two feet to his right uh but anyway um uh i want to kind of talk a little bit about like how that kind of move is accomplished. Yes. So um, the the way that they're doing this is they have a device called a follow focus, which is essentially just like a geared knob 
that controls the focus of the camera. Kind of makes importantly, it... there's sort of a uh, a band around the outside that you can uh, you can mark up uh-huh. to show like what is at different distances. Right, it makes it far more easy. Easy, not easy. Is not that's the word, but functional. Yeah. So so oftentimes what you'll do is you'll you'll have like okay, you'll have uh, marks on the ground which are usually made in colored tape or whatever. Right, and then you and then you have a corresponding mark, mark right. on the follow focus to say, you know, when the actor hits their mark there, this is where I have to have the follow focus. Because, like, at the time, when this movie was made, there is no real way that the uh, this first AC can actually see what the camera's looking at. Oh, God. They can't be looking through the lens. They have to judge the distance and just match it up, right? Oh, God, that's such a nightmare to me that I would be so bad at this job. <laughs> so that that's just why I find this like particularly impressive, like uh, especially because just the sheer number of shots that they did like this. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, like Rob Aganis was not only satisfied being the first assistant to the camera, he was also the steady cam operator. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, which is another difficult job in its own right. Yeah, it's it's physically demanding. Um, do you, would you like to just explain what a set of cam is? Uh, I could try. I'm not going to do a good job. So yeah. it's essentially a a device that the camera operator uses. Often in 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 this case, I imagine they'd be like wearing it. It levels the shot so that you you don't get like you can use a handheld shot without all the shakiness you know yeah so it's it's like a camera stabilizer stabilizer that's the word i was looking for yeah so it's essentially this big pole that the camera sits on right and with a counterweight at the bottom yeah and you have it sort of balanced so that you know the weight at the top is like counterbalances the weight at the bottom and so that you know it stays level and uh so but the thing is the steady cam operator has to support the weight of a giant 35 millimeter cinema camera <laughs> while also <laughs> and the steady cam counterweights while also like shooting a <laughs> yeah exactly so that's it's yeah and i'm not even going to get started on how you keep things in focus while that's happening i don't i can't even imagine well i mean i think you can imagine I don't think you no, have I to. <laughs> I don't think you have to imagine. No, You've I can. I can remember <laughs> using a steady cam and trying to keep things in focus, and the amount of takes that it it can take. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Rob Aganis, hats off to you. I did actually. I reached out to Rob. I haven't actually heard back yet, so that's oh, that unfortunate. unfortunate. You know, maybe he'll maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll get back to us before this episode goes live. I was gonna say, uh, um. In such a dense, uh, like, jungle, and in such, like, you know, as we were talking about earlier, it's hard to be creative, like, visually creative in this in this space because everything looks the same. Yeah. So one of the only ways to actually end it, to, to like, do that is with, like, focus pulls, you know, because you can only go f- foreground yeah. to background. Focus pulls or explosions and artillery. Yeah, it's like, that's the best you can do to, like, <laughs> spice it up visually. <laughs> Well, they did one other thing. And what is that? Oh, uh, well, should we talk about the uh, Predator vision? Oh, fuck yes. That's because we were... I don't think we mentioned that we yet. We haven't mentioned that, but when we were watching the movie, we spent a lot of time 
speculating on the predator vision. Yeah. Okay, so this is rather interesting. They 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 thought of a couple things about how they wanted the predator to see because they didn't want to just like you know point of view predator just make it look like normal. They, you vision, gotta right? know it's alien. They wanted it to be like heat vision or whatever, yeah. right? And so um you know so they uh they thought about uh, they thought about doing a couple of things. So they the first idea they had was using infrared film just in the camera, right? And I want you to I want you to just Google right now uh, what infrared film looks like. I want you to Google aerochrome. Aerochrome images. Whoa. <laughs> oh yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting look. That's right? a very interesting look. Whoa. Yeah. Now, like that's cool and all, and I I'd, I'd love to see a movie shot with that. But you know, that's uh, that's not the look they were no, going for. It's a bit more uh, um, whimsical. Yeah. Definitely. So, like, the interesting thing about uh, infrared film is that, like, um, or color infrared film specifically, is that uh, you you end up getting, like, greens look, like, purple and shit like that. Or not that greens look purple, but specifically things that are green, specifically trees and things like that, are, uh, end up looking, like, magenta purple. Right, yeah. So it would be a bit... It's not it's not as tactical, I think, as what they're going for. Yeah, exactly. But so what they did end up using uh was another kind of infrared camera which which, you know, they, they said in the credits, like this is we mentioned the guy who did it, they called him the infrared camera operator. But it, it technically this would be more accurately termed a thermal imaging camera. A thermal imaging. And what sorry, what do they call it? They call it an infrared. It is technically an infrared camera, but you know, it would be more like descriptive to right, call it's it a more thermal specific. imaging camera. Okay, go on. Basically, um, an infrared camera is just a camera that can see parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that are of longer wavelengths than visible light. Gotcha. But specifically, uh, like most infrared kind of imaging solutions, like the uh, like the aerochrome, like it can't really see down to like you know, like the level of like heat. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's not that sensitive. Like you can't see the heat signature of a human body or something right. like that. Well, no, it just it it doesn't that like that that would be like near infrared. This is like really low infrared. Oh, like okay. we're actually talking like you know really low frequency information. Gotcha. Here. The I don't know exactly what kind of camera they used. They I couldn't really find much information about this. But um, so they they got a guy named Frank Bryson. Uh, to be the infrared camera operator or thermal imaging camera operator. So he has a specific guy to do that. Yeah, well, uh, interestingly, this guy has basically only ever worked on this film. He seems like he's just a sort of infrared camera specialist. <laughs> so they just, they uh, just he, got him in he, to do it? <laughs> well, yeah, so he um, he worked, he actually he found out a company called Bryson Infrared Technologies after this. <laughs> so it seems like he's just a specialist with... Uh, Thermal right, imaging. right, right. Yeah, that's cool. So the the thing about a thermal imaging camera is that basically heat will show up as like different hues of color, right? Right. So like the hottest things will be like white, right? Yeah. Like you know, orange to white or whatever, right? And then the coldest things will be like blue to black. Gotcha. Basically, 
I think this movie was one of the first places where a lot of people actually have seen a thermal imaging camera. It's pretty common place in action movies and video games these days, but yeah, I think I think it basically came out of this movie because like I can't think of I can't think of any time anybody had ever seen one before this really. But I think that kind of adds to like the the idea that it looks like weird and alien as well. Yeah. So, but uh, they didn't they didn't like the the way the thermal imaging camera looked just like on its own because you couldn't really see what you were looking at. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Because it was just a bunch of blobs, it was right? Hard to see what's going on. So they decided to shoot the same image on just regular film. The exact same image. And overlay it, the exact same image, and overlay it on that image. How did they do that? How do you shoot the exact same image? Well, okay, image? so they use something called a beam splitter. That's cool. This sounds awesome. Go on. So that's essentially a prism, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, like, basically, you look at this prism from two different angles, and it'll split some of the light one way, and some of the light will go the other way, right? Right, and is it, like, a duplicate in this situation? It's the same image going both ways. That's cool. And but so it'll be captured on the on the thermal imaging camera as the thermal stuff and then on the regular camera as a regular image and then they would merge the two together. That's pretty. And actually if you if you if you buy like a thermal camera nowadays uh, which are actually pretty pretty easy to get <laughs> now. Um a lot of times they, they they'll have like, you know, they'll have that effect built into it so that you can see what you're actually looking at. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so um, apparently this camera was a pain in the ass. <laughs> no fucking doubt it. in 1987, the thermal imaging camera that they had to hire some thermal imaging expert in to operate was a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I think they said, like, you know, we would spend six hours setting up a shot that lasted 30 seconds or oh whatever. Oh, God, that's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, or, like, we would hear from, like, you know, the guy, uh, like, being, like, you know, okay, so we want to shoot this. And he's like, no, 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 you can't shoot this. You got to do this, this, and this. And then, like, maybe a couple hours later to be like, okay. Now let's. I think we can do this. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see what just talking about it is like once makes me want to put my head in my hands. I can't imagine John McTeer just fucking yeah. But I mean, once again, like it, it arguably it was worth it because it's it's a very unique thing about the like very unique thing that's associated with the Predator now. Yeah, it's true. It is kind of the uh, a basis, a found a pillar of the franchise. Let's say yeah, definitely the, the Predator vision. Um. Okay, so there's one more thing I want to talk about the Predator. And that's the sort of invisible. Yes. So, um, so essentially, they uh, they just had you know a guy running across the jungle in a red suit. A red suit. Now you go. You wonder. You wonder, might wonder why it would be a red suit, right? I was theorizing that it was a blue or green suit. I guess green, obviously not, because it's the jungle. Well, you would think, but that would be a terrible fucking idea because the jungle. <laughs> Right. Same thing with the blue suit because there's enough blue in the jungle as well, right? I mean, there's green, yeah. which is close. Like it's, it'll, uh... green and yeah, right. Um, yeah. So green, green is a no go. Green is a no go. Sure. Blue <laughs> is close enough to being a no go. So what are we left with? We're left with red. Okay. That's hilarious. So yeah. So they took a red suit and then they they basically replaced the red suit in post with like 
a series of scaled versions of the jungle. So it was like, uh, do you, do you kind of know what I'm saying? Replaced it with scale, like, like in Photoshop when you use the, like... yeah, kind of like in Photoshop, but like you would have like, you know, you would take the outline of the predator, but it would be the jungle, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, you would, you would put the same image, but smaller. Right. So it would kind of be like a, like a layered kind of like mirror yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. effect. You know what I mean? So it's like camouflaged, but not. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain without actually just showing yeah, a picture yeah. of it. But but it's, it's it's essentially just, you know, a bunch of layers of the outline of the Predator. Right. But yeah, it's, it looks weird and invisible. It looks weird and kind of invisible, but like not entirely, but like... But you can see what's going on, but that it's kind of like invisible, it's right? It's camouflaged. Exactly. <laughs> it's ex- but yeah, I don't know, that's... That's uh, kind of all I have to say there. Uh, other than that, you know. That's all I have uh, to say about that. Yeah, what can I say? Like, this movie, it's just, you know, standard... Uh, your standard, uh, you know, 1.85 to 1 uh, aspect ratio. Just, you know, 35 millimeter. As we've talked um, about, it's, it's one of those, like, kind of big budget films that kind of follows. It's not trying to do anything interesting or different in this department yeah exactly nothing interesting or 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 weird or anything you know we're uh you know panavision cameras you know yeah besides Um, the obvious exception of as we've talked about the thermal but yeah yeah um although interestingly enough uh yeah so uh one of the cameras they did use was uh was a smaller sort of Aeroflex camera, very similar to the one that Kubrick used. Um, <laughs> His favorite camera. It, it, it's a much newer version. Of that was the Aeroflex 2C or whatever that Kubrick used. I think this is Aeroflex 3-something-something. Something. Right. But um, anyway, the, um, presumably because being in the jungle or being on a steady cam or whatever, you need a smaller camera. Yeah, it's easier to maneuver. Easier to maneuver. Um, but yeah, you know, standard sort of uh, filming technique, uh, but, uh, you know, more or less well put together. Yeah. Yeah, it comes together nicely. I think we got one segment left, don't we? That, yeah. That's all I have to say there. It brings us to, yeah, the, the, the final segment of this, this series. Yeah. What kind of segment would that be? It's, it's pretty important segment. It's logical... <laughs> negation just fucking get it already okay get it right once <laughs> i can't remember what it is it's the logical negation of false i was close Let me let me explain this to you, Keaton, okay? Okay. So negation arithmetically normally means, you know, the negative, right? Right, the inverse. The inverse. But but like let's say we're talking about um a Boolean system. <laughs> okay. We only have we only have two values here, right? Yeah. 
we have a one and we have a zero, right? Or a true and a false. Indeed. Right? So, okay. So the way that you sort of map a system of, you know, integers, let's say, uh, uh-huh. and use the same kind of operations is, is we use what's called modular arithmetic. Gotcha. So essentially we, we sort of wrap around, you know what I mean? I got you. Yeah. From one to the other. So, so like, you know, if you were to say like, what's, what's one plus one or whatever, or, you know, maybe not one plus one, but one exclusive or one, <laughs> which is, you know, equivalent, uh-huh. but in a modular arithmetic system of only one digit here, yes. we have uh, one plus one is zero. <sighs> That was anticlimactic. So then, you know, we would take like, so if we were to negate one, we'd be like, okay, one minus one, but there's no minus one. There's only zero and one. So we wrap around to zero. Wow. <laughs> so that's why a logical negation is different from an automatic negation. That's why I specifically say the logical negation. Got you. <laughs> It's not. Because of modular arithmetic and booleans and shit. So if you were to just say negation, is that inherently arithmetic? Well, I mean, it, no. I mean, it depends what you're negating, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, if you're negating a boolean value, then like you know, right. I guess you know that's fair enough. You probably don't need to specify, but you know, right? Well, in this segment, we're negating falsehoods. Yes. Uh, Which is a Boolean value, so we would use the logical negation. Thank you, Professor Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So why don't you introduce the segment? We can cut out a lot of that, by the way. (laughs) No, no, it's all staying in. Oh, God. Every word. Um, All right, so we're talking about the truth. No, this is... This is literally the simplest, shortest truth we have ever done. Okay. You gonna lay it on me? Yeah. Please do. So what's this film called? It's called Predator. It's not a Predator. What's not a Predator? The Predator. The Predator is not a Predator. Predator's not a Predator. It's a Hunter. Originally, the script was called Hunter because it doesn't eat its prey. Predation, okay. it, it's imperative to predation that they eat the other organism. Doesn't matter how you kill it. There's the most basic definition of predation is that it has to eat another organism. You have to consume another organism. Otherwise, it's just hunting. Predation is a biological interaction where one organism, the predator, kills and eats another organism, its prey. In this scenario, the predator does not eat. Okay, Merriam-Webster here. Um, Two, one who injures or exploits others for personal gain or profit. Never look to the two. You always stick at the one. But there are... No, but the two, like... People use all sorts of words that are a two. No, two is a fallacy. But that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but no, he skins his the predator skins them, but he doesn't eat them. So let's talk about Jesse Ventura. Okay. So did you look into this before or after I brought it to your attention? 
I looked into it after. <laughs> okay. Um, I had already, I had seen that it was a thing. So do, do, do you just give us a little bit of a background of what we're talking about here? Okay, so I was first and foremost interested in, because I've heard people refer to Jesse Ventura as a Navy SEAL. Yes. And in fact, he has referred to himself as a Navy SEAL. Oh, he has referred to himself as a Navy SEAL. Okay. In the past. So, you know, I want to be, I want to be, you know, clear with this in case there are any, you know, actual Navy SEALs listening. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> you never, you, you got to get it right. Um. So the sense that I got is that, you know, he underwent the same training or some of the training that a Navy SEAL would have undergone. Yeah. He was in a unit that bears a at least a passing resemblance to being a Navy SEAL. Like, they, they perform similar tasks. However, in order for him to actually have become a Navy SEAL, that he would have had to do, like, an extra six months with, like, a SEAL unit to actually, like, get his, like, you know proper status or whatever but however that also the thing that he was no longer exists and now there are just navy seals yeah so had he stayed in he would have just eventually actually just become a navy seal or yeah if he had entered the navy now for example and done the same thing he would most likely be well i I mean i i I, it might be more complicated than that i don't want to misrepresent it but but yeah, that's that's as basic as it gets. That that's that's the vibe that I got. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the specific training he did was um. What is it called? It's U UDT, uh, which is underwater Demo- demolition team. So yeah, I believe they're called frogmen as opposed to seals. <laughs> the his the controversy surrounding his military is yeah it's it doesn't just end at whether or not he was a seal oh god <laughs> there's also there was a question uh uh into actually whether or not he is actually a vietnam veteran as we alluded to in the first episode yeah i mean i think i think it depends on what your definition of a vietnam veteran is yeah and i cuz think... like i i I think I think we can definitely say without controversy that he was in the Navy. Yes. And he was in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Yes. Both things are I think definitively true. <laughs> yes. What is up for debate is A whether or not he was a Navy SEAL and yes. B whether or not he actually saw combat. Right. So, um, when I first saw this, uh, and I saw that it was kind of doubtful that he'd actually even seen any combat, I thought that, you know, maybe he was just full of shit. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought like, as well. Like, you know, oh, you know, like, you know, I'm a hardcore, you know. Uh, you're just playing it up for his character. Yeah, playing it up for his character, right? And then you drew my attention to something that made me maybe reevaluate that. 
Yeah, well, I was just trying to figure out. Let me just read this this whole just bit from this article. Okay, yeah, yeah, go for it. Because so what it, the 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 context here is is he is under oath at an unrelated deposition for something we'll talk about later on. <laughs> um, oh God! But yeah, he was at a deposition, so he's this. So this this is what he said. He detailed the UDD train UDT uh, training underwater demolition team. As yeah, we mentioned before. Yeah, in the deposition, but gave few details of his service in Vietnam. While he holds the Vietnam Service Medal given to all who were on duty in Vietnam for more than thirty consecutive days. He acknowledged he doesn't have the combat action ribbon given to those who saw combat. So, obviously... So that that would imply off the bat that, okay, you know, maybe he wasn't in combat. Exactly. So, it goes on to say that, asked if he recalled telling Pioneer Press in 2002 that, quote-unquote, to the best of my knowledge, I was never fired upon... Now, this is something that I saw repeated a bunch of times to to back this up, that he never saw combat, is that this quote that he said to the best of my knowledge. He was never fired upon. I was never fired upon. Venturi. Okay, so so, so can can you be counted as having seen combat if, if, if you were never fired upon? I mean, I don't know. Speculation. Right, okay. The point is, but Ventura said he recalled neither the interview nor the comment. <laughs> Um, oh, so so could you find a source where he actually said that? That to the best of his knowledge, he wasn't fired upon. Well, the source is Pioneer Press, but he claims he he doesn't remember the interview. Okay, right. Um, okay, and that this the source that we're reading from now is also Pioneer Press. Right. Um, so, but could you actually you could find they they did publish an interview in two thousand two? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he said. Someone could see combat and not receive a combat action ribbon. And this is this is in a deposition. This is in a deposition. This is under oath. This is under oath. So this is what he said. Okay. If the quote unquote, to be clear, that doesn't mean he's telling the truth. That just means that if he's not telling the truth, <laughs> he could he go to faces jail. consequences. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> so he said, quote unquote, if the mission was so was so secretive that they didn't want the public to know about it in any way, shape, or form because it could cause an international incident, then there would be no record of doing that mission pretty much at all, he told Borger. I imagine Borger's the person questioning him. The, to which the Borger responded, Were you engaged in such a mission? Once, Ventura replied, the next three lines of the transcript are blank, covered with a large redacted stamp. <laughs> so that's where it gets interesting. That's very interesting to me. <laughs> yes. So what that implies to me, at least, is that Jesse Ventura was in some sort of a clandestine uh, um, secret ops mission. Yeah, but so, so, so he said that could cause an international incident. So what does that mean? That he still can't talk about it, that it's still getting redacted. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was like, uh, maybe there was like, maybe it wasn't Vietnam. 
Well, they definitely crossed. They weren't because they weren't supposed to cross the border, right? They're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into a bit of Vietnam history here. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, but um, I uh, I don't even I don't even want to think about what what all sorts of shit that could have could have happened. Yeah, exactly. It's this Vietnam we're talking about. It's like yeah, the American government at its most covert. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say I, that. Covert's not the right word. Uh, no, but I wouldn't even say the Vietnam is like the height of their, uh, you know, um, just doing crazy their shenanigans. shit. shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans, yeah, CIA's shenanigans. I mean, just look at what they did to South America. Yeah, that's fucking true. Like, the period of this movie we're talking about, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, we're literally like, talking about Like, like the reason Predator was shot in South America was because it was not shot in South America. Or sorry, sorry, yeah, it was shot in Mexico, but it was set in South America. Set in South America, yeah, yeah. Was because <laughs> there was like someone said something like, "Because there's constantly something going on down there." <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're doing a Jesse Ventura voice. Yeah, well, I think it wasn't necessarily him, but it was someone who said it in a Jesse Ventura kind of way. <laughs> Right, okay. And the yeah. Jesse the body venture. Yeah, the reason there's something constantly going on down there is because of the CIA. Anyway, we're getting really uh, Yeah. You know. But anyway, that's a, a We little... are yeah, we were talking about the CIA last time as well. I'm sorry, last movie as well. Oh goodness me. <laughs> we just I swear none of these like n- neither of these are actually about conspiracy theories though. No, it's true. Like we we've actually like been the Stargate program was actually declassified. We have the documents to prove it. Yeah, and then this is a transcript from a deposition we're talking about here. <laughs> we're just... Well, I mean, we are speculating on the CIA involvement. We don't actually know. Oh yeah, I mean, the CIA is tangential, extremely to this this yeah. case. We don't know that they were involved anyway, in any of this. But regardless, uh, it appears that Jesse Ventura was involved. In something that potentially that, could have caused an international incident, were yes, we t- were uh, uh, the public to know about it. Yes. So there you have it, folks. There you have it. Uh, that is, in fact, I don't think we. Yeah, I think that's everything. You uh, want to give some final thoughts here, actually, quickly. We gotta sum it up, I suppose. It'd be foolish of us not to sum up everything that we've gone over here. So, Predator. I think I'm gonna go with bad movie that is well put together and ultimately turns into an enjoyable classic. But I think it. I don't know. I don't want. I, like, I I find it hard to say it's bad though. Is the <laughs> thing. It's like. Because to me, bad almost implies, like, you know... Unenjoyable? Not necessarily that it's unenjoyable, but that, you know... There were choices that were made that were the wrong choice. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, were the wrong choice for that film. I suppose that's true. There weren't really any incorrect choices made for this film. Yeah, because I'm thinking, like... How would you have made this movie differently and it be better? You wouldn't have. There are a couple things you can do, like, but, you know, I mean, substantially, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think the only way to substantially improve on this movie is to make a different movie. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying I'm having a hard time calling it bad. <laughs> that's a good point. No, that's a good argument. Bad yeah. might not be right. Ah, what is it? Fuck me. It is... What did you call it? I said it is the platonic ideal of what it is. The platonic ideal of what it is. That's... You know, that's perfect. I can't say it any better than fucking that. It's like, you know, you, if you were to have this idea and then just distill it and take out yeah. the essence <laughs> of... Yes, it is. Of, you know, you know this action movie sort of sci-fi blend ensemble situation here. It is, yeah. You it, know. Is, it is the... The if you were to take out the the essence of that, that is what this film is. Ode Schwarzenegger. Ode, Ode Schwarzenegger. Action. Yeah, yeah. We said it at the in the first episode that he. he yeah, if, if his... you were to just you know take like you know, just like take a swab of like uh, Schwarzenegger's <laughs> armpit or something like that. Gross. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure it's, <laughs> it smells lovely. During this movie when they were in the jungle, really? Oh, no, not then. I meant now. Well, no, that's what you're swabbing. Oh, during the... Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right in the middle of this movie, just swab his armpit. That's what this film <laughs> capture is. Capture that. Just capture that. If you were to, <laughs> that's to, what to, this dis- movie is. to distill this film into a liquid, it would be the same chemical composition as that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what about you? Any Anything to add to that? I mean, I just basically um, hijacked your point and then asked if you had anything to add to it, so... Well, no, no, I think that's that's pretty much it. Just, like... Like, once again, like, yeah, obviously, no, this this is not the greatest movie ever. <laughs> like, I think that's clear. It, it doesn't... Yeah, it's it's well executed. But it's also kind of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's, like, it's it's not... It's not what you asked, or it's not what I asked for at all. Yeah, exactly. But they, but gave like, it... it's kind of like, it's like kind of like like Jenga. You know what I mean? <laughs> How is it like Jenga? Well, you know, I could take out a couple pieces and maybe move them around or whatever. But like, you know, if you really start pulling, it's <laughs> you're not going to make an improvement. Is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's just gonna fall apart, you it's know. It's gonna what I mean? fall apart. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So yeah, yeah. Like once again, it's like it's not flawless, but most of the flaws are either cosmetic or just it's just what you get. Yes, with this movie, that's you know what that's I mean? what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, I think that's all. I all I have to say. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, we'll see you guys next uh, next week with a whole brand new movie. Yeah, we'll do Forrest Gump one of these days. One of these days, and uh, I want to give a shout out to our listeners in India. What? Oh fuck! Yeah, that's a new one. Hello. That's a new one. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.